Okay, that leads into this next session right here, and I'm excited to end it on such a high note because I got to know Allison here just a couple years ago. She is one of the most amazing storytellers and content creators that I've ever come across. You know, just amazing content, storytelling, it's like she is a marketing machine. So if any nonprofit or brand is looking for authentic storytellers, we have one coming up right now. There's nobody better in the business. So please welcome Allison Teal. Oh, I have a mic. I have a mic. Why, mic. thank you, sir. Mic check. Mic check. Got my clicker. Aloha. Uh, I would say my purpose on earth pretty much is to spread aloha, is which, in which I feel has become my mission. So everybody up really quick, because you cannot spread aloha without learning a move of hula first. So this is very important. Stand up real quick, come on. Okay, hands on your knees, and then you're just gonna, I mean, hands on your hips, and you're gonna bend your knees. You can tell where I'm from, right? Hawaii. Okay, so you're gonna go like this. So you're gonna follow me, I'm gonna go this way. So you're just gonna bend your knees, you're gonna go one, two, three, tap, one, Two, three, tap, one, two. You got it? Tap, one, two. This is just something you can use later to like show off to your significant number. And this is gonna be the best part. You go around the island. So you just kind of like, do, do, do. Ami, around the island. Come on, around the island. Making sure you guys are all awake. Okay, now you have a bit of hula to share with everyone back home. Um, no, seriously though, I do think aloha comes and many forms, and uh, Vipe actually, oh, I'm cool, I'm up there. Vipe actually called me literally the second that I stepped off my TED Talk stage and said, will you speak at Rising Tide Summit? And I was like, well, I'm literally gonna be flying in from the Galapagos like that morning, but um, it would be cool to be able to do a variation of my TED Talk for people like you guys who are actually already aware for the most part. So, without further ado, um, I'm going to give you a bit of a journey and an adventure from my life that will hopefully inspire you guys, and if you have any questions or anything afterward, um, yeah. So this is what I do. My name is Allison Teal. Look at all these skeletons. Go And my passion is to dive into the unknown. And there's hot molten lava. It all started at a few weeks old when my legendary explorer parents decided to take me on all of their quests. And now I've taken up the torch of adventure. Facing out of my off-the-grid retreat center in Hawaii, I journey to the remote and exotic corners of this wild world. Teaming up with experts and my ever-growing global family as I do whatever it takes to unlock the greatest mysteries, myths, and legends on Earth. But during my quests, I couldn't ignore the growing global plastic crisis. And thus, I became the female Indiana Jones on a mission to save our world. So, I was recently honored with the title of the female Indiana Jones. It was by Time Magazine, actually, and my life has been a wild quest investigating the world's greatest mysteries, myths, and legends. 
And along the way, I actually discovered the greatest treasure on earth. And I want to share with you the importance of protecting it and some of the things that I've found that can help that. And then maybe we can all work together to figure out some more solutions. Um, I do live in an off-the-grid grass shack in Hawaii, right on the ocean. Um, as far as I know, it's the only oceanfront retreat center in Hawaii. Uh, my parents should be the ones up here right now, not me, because they are out of control. Incredible. Um, my dad's MacGyver, and my mom's a yoga teacher. And um, I want to show you a little bit of them and how we came to be in Hawaii. When I was a baby, during a three-month... Oh, I'll start again, because I... Sorry, I'll show you, I'll say video. When I was a baby, during a three-month photo camping adventure for Mountain Bike Magazine, we discovered a beautiful oceanfront property that was owned by an ancient Hawaiian family and had never been sold in the history of Hawaii. We came to see the land, talk to the owners. They weren't sure if they wanted to sell it to us. Suddenly, two whales breached right in front of the setting sun. And they looked at us and said, this will be your family home. Then the real work began. When we moved onto the land, we had no power and no water. And building the house, every piece of wood was hand-sawn. <laughs> no power. And our roof was made by 3,000 coconut rods. Split them, weave them, put them up. My dad has really been a pioneer in all areas of sustainability and eco-living. We have some of the first solar panels installed in Hawaii. Can support 26 people and Three refrigerators, four refrigerators. He had his truck running on veggie oil before people even knew that you could run a car that smells like a restaurant. Now, over two decades later, it's not only our family home, but a unique retreat center where people come from all over the world to experience living oh, off the grid. <laughs> My crazy parents. Uh, so. I've actually grown up literally living off the land and learning the importance of protecting that which offers you life. The trees, the ocean, everything, the composting, everything you do was kind of just, that's what I knew. I didn't know about LA and these worlds out here um, as, as a child. And so when I was about five years old, six years old, um, we had just come to the property and my dad was hacking through it with machetes and we were trying to build houses, the first one fell down. Um, and the Hawaiian elder of the community came to us with a gift of fish, because we were living off like papayas. And I went running up to him and I said, guess what? And he said, what? And I said, I'm going to be the female Indiana Jones and I'm going to discover the greatest treasure on earth. And then I looked at him and I was like, you don't happen to know where that is, do you? And he looked at me with this like wise, but um, they're very fierce, the Hawaiians, you know, the tan, wrinkled, dark skin. And he said, of course, I know where the greatest treasure on earth is. And I was like, can you show me? And he said, yes, of course. And so I spent the rest of the day getting ready because he told me to meet him, literally like something out of a Disney movie, by the palm tree as the moon set over the ocean. So I met him and we walked a short way just across the lava rocks in front of our house because it's just a little bit of white sand beach, lava rock. And then we get to the edge of the lava and he reached out like his hand, like it was so Lion King. And he's like, young Allison, 
there is your greatest treasure on earth. And I kind of looked at him confused, and I was like, huh? And he said, Allison, the word for water in Hawaiian is vai, and the word for wealth is vai vai. Therefore, our world waters are the greatest treasure on earth. And I don't know at that moment if I really realized in my little five-year-old mind how that moment would change my life and essentially uh, the world. I was raised to believe in storytelling and wisdom passed on by ancient elders such as the Hawaiian because Hawaii was only my home base. My parents were ad adventure photographers for like National Geographic and Patagonia and thus at about two months old, they whisked me away up the highest peak in southern Peru for my first family adventure, and apparently I turned blue at the top, and they, they got me down, so now I have something to blame everything on when I'm like, I didn't get that right in school, or they're like, oh, it's because I lack of oxygen as a baby. Um, <laughs> and thus, my entire childhood was homeschooling, or more like world schooling around the world um, in some of the most remote, exotic, dangerous places um, with our grass shack as a base camp that we would keep building as we returned. Um, surviving, learning to survive off the land uh, in places like Jamaica with the fishermen and climbing some of the highest mountains in the world like Mount Everest base camp at age seven. And making friends in every country that I went to, like my first friend, Billy the monkey in the uh, Amazon rainforest. And later I became a pro surfer, more like a soul surfer, um, and a professional free diver, thanks to our wonderful PADI organization. Um, now you might be thinking, whoa, that is absolutely the dream life. But honestly, to me, I just wanted to go to school. <laughs> that was my dream. I wanted to sit in a classroom, and I was lucky to receive a scholarship to um, UC Berkeley, where I started archaeology, anthropology, and to USC, where a girl who never owned a TV somehow got a film major degree, um, which was pretty exciting for me because I wanted to share the mystery and intrigue of all these cultures that I'd grown up in and to change the world. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to create this film series called Allison's Adventures that will educate through entertainment in every country that I go to. And it started off going down the Peruvian coastline by mule, of course, and teamed up with this gangster surf guide named Pulpo, or Octopus. And what we found along the desolate Peruvian coastline basically changed my life. Incredible discovery. In the loose sands along the water, we uncovered a 3,000-year-old pre-Incan mummy chief who was a surfer. It had a gold nose piece in the shape of the Caballito de Totora, which were the boats that they would go fish in and surf the waves back in. And you see the paddle with the precious inlaid stones. And there's a little bit of the ceramic showing, which is also in the shape of a surfer um, or, or the boats that they would take out. And what I came to understand from the locals is that the reason they would bury their elite right next to the ocean in these loose sands and with all memorabilia honoring the sea is because they valued the world waters as the greatest treasure on Earth. So I thought, OK, if I really want to prove this theory about world water, I need to go into the mountains to somewhere they've never seen the oceans and see what they have to say. So we set off into the Peruvian Andes with my parents, 
um, an uncharted territory. There was no map for this region. So we were literally following the people that were holding me as a baby in Peru. We re-teamed up with them to find this lost village said to have some of the most powerful shamans in the world and, and healers and seers. And I wanted to ask them what the most valuable treasure on earth is. And then the storm hit and the train steepened. This is our journey. We struggled to keep sight of our you horses. You can't even see the horses But soon Again. lost them in the almost whiteout. My mom's altitude sickness turned to pure exhaustion, but my papa stayed right by her side. When we reached what we thought was the pass, it turned out to be a cliff with no way down, and we had to turn back. We're lucky to get there after dark. We're bordering on not being real safe. My papa wanted to go one way, and Miguel another, and I could barely keep my footing, and my mom was freaking out. Almost dark, she doesn't know where we are, and officially lost in the Andes. Well, this isn't safe. We don't know where we are. Exactly. It was all a blur after that. And then... We've been lost in space for 24 hours. We finally arrived at the right pass after walking all over the Andes. And now we're going to drop down to our tents exhausted because at 6 o'clock <laughs> at night it's dark. We're going to slow down. We have sandals on. And all of our help is tired. And if we don't leave right now, we will have a real epic. So that's just to give you an idea of what we went through to get there. So we're talking way up in the Andes. We met with the shaman. Um, it's a film called Incantations. It's on my website if you want to see the whole picture. It's pretty amazing what they had to say. But basically, a man who had never seen the ocean before basically said that our most valuable treasure on Earth are our world oceans and our world waters. So after that, I was like, holy taco, this is incredible. And I wanted to check out what they believed about fresh water. So I set off down to Tulum, Mexico, to the Sanotes, to understand a little more from that perspective. And I got to team up with uh, Geronimo, who's an archaeologist scientist down there, who's studying the oldest humans in the Americas that were found in these freshwater cenotes to see what science has to say about fresh water. So this is a little clip about what we were able to do down there. Today I got to visit a lab studying prehistoric skeletons in Mexico. That's a saber-toothed cat. Geronimo! Alison! I met with top researcher Geronimo. Welcome to my lab. Who studies the oldest humans found in the Americas. Well, let me introduce to you Wilson, oh. my assistant. Doesn't talk much. No, and uh, zero initiative, but he, he's a good company. He seems a little deadpan for an assistant. <laughs> oh, do I look official? Instituto de la Prehistorica de, de America. America. Hmm. Ooh. Inspector Gadget. Oh my gosh. It's huge. But it's little. I would not know if I was diving and be like, oh look, there's an ear bone. He found the ear bone deep in an underwater cave. It's one of the oldest on yeah, Earth. From the auditory now. The little bit of ear bones fit right in there. It's amazing he can recognize something that small on the floor of a cave. Wow. And here is what they estimate she looked like. Now what's crazy is, is that they estimated that these people of a whole different, like over 10,000 years ago, so we're talking way before the Mayans actually got wiped out by climate change, obviously not human-induced at that point, but it's kind of interesting to look back in time. So they actually took me to show me how they uncover these humans in the caves and listen to his words closely because it's pretty fascinating, the information um, that they're gathering every day to help us not reach that same catastrophe now. I followed professional cave diver Geronimo into a prehistoric chamber. Our mission? 
for him to show me what it's like to uncover one of the oldest humans in the Americas. Geronimo and his team have extracted eight prehistoric humans from the cave system. Their research is continuously rewriting history. fossilized human bones is that we humans can become extinct because of climate change. Our resources are limited. They're not limitless. We're polluting the waters. We're cutting down the forest. We're building like crazy. If we don't change fast, we may become extinct like in the past. learning about all of these incredible things, I decided, okay, I'm going to dive hardcore into ocean research and actually scientific research. And how many of you all know how much of our oxygen? Does anybody know how much of our oxygen comes from the ocean? It's like 50, between 50 and 85% of our oxygen comes from the ocean. So that blew my mind. It also regulates our world climates, and one-third of our food source comes from that. So whether you live in Minnesota or in Hawaii, it's kind of important uh, that, we protect, that we protect our oceans, um, and of course our fresh waters as well, which I'll get into a little bit more later. So as I was diving into all this scientific research about the ocean, and it was blowing my mind even though I grew up on the coast, something crazy happened. I got a phone call from Discovery Channel, and they asked if I would survive for almost a month in the middle of the Indian Ocean with absolutely nothing. I was so excited. Um, so I set off to this island, and as I sat there for, okay, it was naked and afraid, but um, I might have sat there naked, but I did watch um, over a month as plastic from all over the world gathered on this island. And I originally, when I got there, was so excited because I was gonna get to put my skills to the test to make like fishnets and you know weave things, make hats, like. Growing up in all these ancient cultures around the world, I learned all their survival tactics. So I was like, yeah, this is going to be epic. I'm going to show them like, all these cool things. And then every time I'd throw a net that I wove in the sea or, or anything, all I'd catch was plastic, not fish. And so that blew my mind. And that month was the tipping point for me and completely changed my life. And we actually made a raft out of plastic bottles to get to our extraction point on the last day. And they had taken two villages a week to clean this island before we got there, and it was still every day, like mounds and mounds. So thus, I basically changed my mission after that um, into being you know, the female Indiana Jones, to being the female Indiana Jones on a quest to save our world waters and our greatest treasure on Earth. Um, so I had many board meetings all over the world. And what I discovered when I was in the Maldives is I was right next to what's called Trash Island, which many of you may have heard of, um, but nobody had been there and documented it and really shown what's happening out there and how these gyres are coming together and bringing trash to this place. Of course, some comes from the Maldives, but a lot of it from all over the world. So I went back after Naked and Afraid, and I had harnessed press. It was this crazy press storm. We'd be on like Steve Harvey or Oprah or whatever, and they'd be like, so did you guys sleep together? And I'd be like, so have you heard about our plastic epidemic? And um, I was able to kind of use my platform for good 
and go back and visit Trash Island, which I don't know if anybody will ever be able to do again because I pretty much put it on the map and now the Maldives are like, uh-uh, nobody's coming here. Um, but I hope that this can show you uh, what's really happening out there and I can explain now how um, solutions are being. When I arrived at Trash Island, it was a sight to see. This is and a I section from my phone. Mountains of burning trash. The odor was horrifically toxic. Hello? I approached the first person I could find. Hello, excuse me? Oh, hi. What is your name? Rajesh. Oh, Rajesh, Allison. Allison, yeah. I'm from Hawaii. You know surfing? Like this? With this? Have you surfed before? Where's the plastic? Recycle. Recycle. No, no, not cycle. Like, it seemed he didn't have a clue what I was talking about, but offered to take me to the plastic. So you work here? Hi, supervisor. Supervise. Yeah. Whoa, supervisor. Holy moly. And it turned out it was also his home. Wow. With quite the front yard. Yeah. Holy plastic. All the trash in the Maldives? Uh -huh. Come here. It's a big job. <laughs> big job. <laughs> so, this all just stays here. No recycle. Just sits here. I came to understand that there was no recycling. And most of this plastic wasn't even from the Maldives. It was brought from all over the world by ocean currents. It is truly incredible how far a plastic bottle can travel and destroy paradise. And the bottles just sat there and eventually burned into toxic fumes, which constantly flowed over the capital city, Male, which holds more than one-third of the country's population. Rajesh told me how he almost died from the fumes. Pollution here. And then, and then in your house? Ice, 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 very bad. And fever coming. Fever coming yeah. <laughs> from all the smoke. So you no. go to the hospital. Hospital, hospital, no. Living in this pollution all the time? Yeah, all the time, no. I thanked Rajesh yeah. and gave him the only thing I could think of to protect his eyes from the smoke. Yeah, like movie star. Yeah, I very like. You very like? Yeah, very like. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and then using my surfboard as a sort of walking stick, I set off to see the extent of Trash Island. So originally I made these films for kids, if you can't tell. Put on a lot of pink and had a crazy high-pitched voiceover. And then this went viral amongst many ages, which was a blessing because we've actually been able to now start the cleanup of um, Trash Island. 91% of plastic globally is actually not recycled. And um, in my short lifetime, we've done more damage to our world waters with plastic than all of history combined, which is pretty wild. Uh, like 8 million metric tons of plastic enter our oceans every day. And um, I, of course, you guys know the saying, probably by 2050, there'll be more plastic than fish in our oceans. So that's pretty scary. Um, but if anybody out there has seen the Adidas shoe that's actually made out of plastic, um, this was the beginning of that. So it was pretty exciting to now set up um, organizations there and work with the Maldivian government to, um, to clean it up. Um, does anybody know where this is? So right above those cenotes that we were diving in, that's Tulum, Mexico. 
Um, and this is a serious problem because not only are our oceans th threatened, but how, does anybody know how long a human body can survive without fresh water? Four days. So with Naked and Afraid, learned a lot about survival and was able to meet up with one of the top Nat Geo scientists in Tulum to learn about what's happening to the freshwater systems there. So check out what he has to say, because this kind of blew my mind. It's great to have Allison Teal visiting here because part of our mission is to educate and make people conscious of what they can't see. Wake up and smell the toxins. Water on a global scale is extremely important. Of all the water on the planet, only 3% of it is fresh water. And of that percentage, it's only just slightly over half of 1% of all the water that's found on planet Earth is available for human consumption. We're talking about the water that comprises every single human body down to our tears in that calculation. We humans can only go for a few days without drinking water. We can go weeks without eating, but we need water to survive. I hope this is a, a good uh, reality check of what's happening in the world and it's not just a Mexican issue. It's an issue as a planet. If we don't stop reducing our waste, cut out plastic, what's gonna happen. And I just realized these have labels on them so I can't fool you guys, darn it. Um, I was gonna say, does anybody know where this is? That's Los Angeles. So it's not just a Mexico issue, it's not just a Maldive issue, it's an all of our issue. Uh, this was after the first flush in LA and um, my friend Tina from Surfrider, you guys probably know her, was like, Allison, do you have your pink surfboard? Oh my God, let's go to Bayona Creek. It's raining and there's tons of plastic. So I took one for the team, a dove in, and um, she shot me on her iPhone and within a day or two, the video had gone viral up to like five million views. And recently, I'm pretty excited um, to have been told by someone actually in the government that because of the viral nature of this video, that's what inspired people to vote to ban the plastic bag in California, which is pretty exciting. Um, so what I have found is that through my content, I could start to change laws. And that's what started getting me excited is in Tulum, Mexico. Now we're bringing a ton of entrepreneurs down there in May. We're meeting with Geronimo, we're meeting with Sam, and we're gonna figure out what to do about cleaning that up and the plastic bag ban and the Maldives. And I was like, whoa, this is, this is amazing. Just as one person, you can show what's happening out there and, uh, and start to make change. So. That brings me to solutions, which I think there's a lot we can do to change the tides on plastic pollution. And it actually started, Aaron's gone, but um, my boards are made out of recycled coffee cups and my bikinis out of recycled plastic bottles. And that was the first thing that I could think of, working with Lost and working with Odina um, to figure out and those are Zeal sunglasses made out of plants. So like what products can I use? And you guys might also know some. I got, you know, Bob talked about um, a Quicksilver, which is funny because the trip to the Maldives was their first pair of Roxy shorts made out of recycled plastic and Reprieve sponsored um, my film down there. And we are all working together to try to show, you know, what products we can use that can help. I know there's a lot of back and forth about the microfibers in it and all that, but hey, it's steps, right, of what we can do. Um, and then as this started to happen, I was just so blown away that, you know, Coconut Girl from Grass Shack in Hawaii is now suddenly able to advise, work with, create content for, change laws with um, some of the biggest companies 
in the world, which has been really exciting to come onto their teams and um, be like a chicken in a pink bikini with a pink surfboard on a mission and, um, and, and change the world and have you know, mass um, corporate and, and marketing dollars go into stuff like that, which is just so exciting. So I hope to work with more if you have brands out there that wanna hop on board. Um, I love, I, I do it in a guerrilla way. So it's, it's like I can create the same thing Discovery Channel can create um, with their gazillion dollar budgets. We got back from the Galapagos last night and did an incredible piece for Olokai. Just, it's kind of like me with my laptop and, and, and all this content I edit and create and, and do, um, sometimes work with bigger crews. So that's pretty exciting. Of course, using all reusable to go wear, which you guys know about um, on adventures is, is pretty important or in everyday life. And that brings me to the point that I think in ancient times, when I was traveling the world and I was a baby, we would all get together to watch a shadow puppet play in Indonesia, right? And the little kids would all gather around and the shadow puppets would come out in the fire and they'd do all these crazy little actions. And through those stories, that's how the kids would learn what to do in life. It's kind of like a nursery tale, a fairy tale. And they would know when to plant their crops, how to protect their trees, what to do. And that's what I learned. But my fear now is that those stories aren't holding water, they're not enough um, to really keep that change going, and I, and I think it's, it's, we need something new, which is why I'm really excited about a new form of storytelling called social media. And I think that now our youth can teach our elders. I think that it's really important to not forget the power of it when it's like, oh, you're posting on Facebook or you're doing this. Like I've literally been able to change like three to four major environmental laws simply by the click of a button. Like if whether you want to share something from my stuff or something from Lonely Whale or Viper, it's truly crazy. You don't even have to do anything except click a button and share something. And the power of you know, snowball effect is pretty freaking incredible. So I don't want anybody to undervalue um, when you see something, you know, share it. You never know who could pick it up um, or, or what could happen. And I think most importantly, the way to inspire change, and I'd love to hear your guys' ideas, is through creating these laws. Um, I've chosen to use my voice through content creation, but maybe you'll have a different way through taking people to the beach, surfing, and being able to change their lives medically. Um, I think there's hope. And the reason that I think there's hope is because I literally just got back this morning from the Galapagos. And the Galapagos is a country that has banned all single-use plastics. It's one of the cleanest places I've ever seen on Earth, which is hard to say because there's nowhere now. You can't go to a beach without finding tons of crap. Um, and there's 500-year-old turtles that are just chilling there, and it's where Darwin came up with his theory of evolution. So there's the most incredible habitat and they are protecting it and it's working. And I think that that's an amazing example for us and anybody to learn from um, what we can do, that, that there, is a way, uh, there is a way to protect it. They have penguins, they are under huge threat from climate change because um, it's hotter there <laughs> than the poles. Um, so as things get warmer, so it's a very fragile ecosystem, but they're able right now to keep it at bay and to protect it. The blue-footed boobies, they're so cute. They, they do this like crazy mating dance where they throw their feet at each other. Um, and I don't know if anybody knows this, but the reason the booby got its name is because bobo in Spanish is like stupid or not too bright. And so they're like, bobo, because they like, 
going around like this. And then they just started calling them boobies, um, which is really cunning. And then there's these marine iguanas that literally can dive like 60 feet underwater and stay under for an hour. And it's just mind blowing to see like this habitat that they have there that's still thriving and functioning because they put laws in place and because the locals actually care. And what the governor, I met with the governor and the mayor and what he said to me, I said, what's the most important thing? How can we protect? What do we do? Like, how are you guys doing this? Tell me. And he said um, that it is educating our youth. And literally every kid there, like, they see something, they pick it up. They, it, it's crazy. It's like a whole different dynamic. So like Bob said, get in there with the kids, educate them, and uh, do what we can do. I definitely need a nap after that trip. And I was going to take one, but then I got called to do this summit. Uh, but no, I think that, that, there's, um, that there's a lot of hope. And uh, what I will say in terms of the number four thing for changing the world is that I went home to Hawaii after all of this. And I was so excited to, right before the Galapagos, but I was so excited to meet with my Hawaiian elder and share it with him everything that I've done, the adventures, what I've been able to do in the world. And he was much older. And so I went to meet with him and he summoned me to the ocean. He could barely walk, but when he dove into the ocean, he was like a kid again. And we dove down and what I had once remembered the beautiful reefs to be in front of our house, most of it now looked like this and it was dead. And he came up and he said, Alison, no more fish. And I couldn't believe it. And so I said, okay, what can I do? Like, we need to change a law. We need to do something. So I dove again into research. And what is happening is that toxic sunscreens are killing our reefs. We've lost over 50% of our reefs in Hawaii just since 2011. Not entirely toxic sunscreens, climate change, everything else, plastic. But that's the big one. It's the lowest hanging fruit. So I said, okay, elder, I'm jumping in. Uncle, Uncle Tony, and I'm gonna make a film and see what I can do. So I made a one minute film and it was shown on all Hawaiian Airlines. I guess it, somebody just texted me literally a second I sat down and said they're still watching it, which is crazy. Um, and with this film was able, not just me alone, but with the community uh, to ban toxic sunscreens this past July and, and bring it into law. So this is the little short film, which is pretty exciting. Come on, play. Aloha, I'm Allison Teal of Allison's Adventures. <laughs> Although I've traveled the world for my adventure series, Hawaii has always been my home. And coral reefs are home to my best friends. Coral reefs are the rainforests of the sea and provide most of the world's oxygen. But due to pollutants like toxic sunscreens, our reefs are dying. be a part of the solution by using reef-safe certified natural sunscreen that uses only non-nano zinc oxide, like my favorite raw element. Join me in protecting our one-of-a-kind planet one sunscreen application at a time. Mahalo. So that was my theme is education through entertainment and I want to 
keep promoting that and have fun with it because I don't think saving the world has to be, or I don't think the apocalypse, it's like, oh, we're all gonna die every day. I think that we can have fun with it and we can, we can keep spreading the aloha. Um, as this law passed, uh, so did my Hawaiian elder. And when I went to see him, we sat there in his little hale, and he said to me and when he, on his deathbed, basically, um, Allison, I need you to pass this information on to everyone you can meet so that our future generations can have fish. That's simple. So, woo, um, that's why I stand here today, is I'm grateful to Vipe for bringing wonderful people together who care about making change. And I hope through my stories or you know any stories that you see, keep sharing the stories because storytelling is what makes changes and is what makes impact. And ask your elders for their stories and keep sharing them and spreading the aloha. And I think you know together we can be a bigger voice because I'm just one, but ripple effect is, is real. So thank you for having this, uh, hi microphone, this beautiful, Ohana, as we say in Hawaii, come together and yeah, I'm excited. If you guys have any questions or you know ways we can collaborate, um, I'm yeah, I'm pretty excited to keep to keep doing that. So mahalo, mahalo, lots. I know we're running a little bit behind, but that's okay. I think uh, I think Allison won't mind. But any questions for Fifth her? Says four minutes, vibe. Does it? It does. Oh, we got plenty of time. We got plenty of time. More than that. Any questions for Allison? Yeah, Edith. Hi, Allison. That was great. Thank you for sharing your story with us. What's coming up for you in the next year? What are you really focused on? Oh, chocolate. It was funny. You said write your keywords on my like mission statement. I was like, chocolate, surf. I was like, dang it. How do I make a sentence out of that? Um, <laughs> uh, dark chocolate. Um, wow. Well, uh, in terms of like passion projects, business, everything. The world, um, I'll let you guys in on a little secret. I hate to say things before they hatch because I feel like Hollywood is a place of like, well, I'm doing this, and then you never know what happens. Um, I've actually, does anybody heard of Ripley's Believe It or Not? So I just uh, went to Florida to meet with them at their headquarters, and it looks like the next Ripley's Believe It or Not book will be Allison's Adventures. It'll be the first girl book they've ever done to educate children about like, believe it or not, our oceans are dying. Believe it or not, our reefs are going. Believe it or not, there's a 500-year-old tortoise in the Galapagos that was still there when Darwin was there. Like that kind of thing um, to switch to that. So that, if it happens, which it seems to be, um, will be very exciting. So writing a kid's book. Um, I originally wanted to start out educating kids. That's why I'm, I'm just, this is me all the time. I'm like, uh, <laughs> and, um, then, you know, kids aren't on Instagram, like five-year-olds aren't on Instagram, so hopefully getting really into that kid genre. I'm advising a um, bond fund out of Europe, which, if it happens, is really exciting because I get to tell them which nonprofits to put their money towards in terms of saving the ocean. It's called the Blue Ocean Bond Fund. They have a lot of money. So that would be cool to be able to be like, hey, five gyres, you're doing this expedition. I can help with that. Or um, so that sort of thing is, and I just got back from the Galapagos. I paddled through so much trash that I was like, okay, I need to paddle through some beautiful animals and show what we're protecting. So I'm making a series about the animals and why we need to protect our oceans. Uh, what will happen if they disappear? 
and oh my gosh, there's so many things. Like just every day there's a new adventure and um, working with more companies to, you know, we need to change our con consumption. That's why I asked you about the social media thing because I feel like if we could direct dollars to the ones that are really, um, it, it can make a big change. It just has to be done in the right fashion. So that's why I was curious about that. What's my view on conscious consumer yeah. awareness? Oh, okay. Um, you know, I think it's interesting. I think it's interesting that you mentioned the plastic bag thing for Quicksilver because I worked a lot with Patagonia. My dad was their photographer for like 30 years. The kids line was actually invented for me because I was naked and freezing. And, um, and, and a couple other families. Um, for example, when I talked to Patagonia about the plastic bag thing, they were like, we were wasting more clothes by not putting them in plastic bags than if they come in that, and that was because, like, if you track it from a different angle, sometimes things that seem obvious, there's more waste on the flip side. So I think that, like you said with the greenwashing, like there's certain angles we really need to look at things. Um, I know for a fact that living off the grid in the way we do is a lot of work. You guys are all welcome in Hawaii, by the way. That's why I threw that clip up there. I was like, maybe someone will come visit me. Um, and no, it is an amazing retreat center. But I think that it's difficult to live sustainably. And I think my thoughts is, is we need to do baby steps. Because honestly, I can't be perfect. And I think that everybody every day is like, oh my god, I used a bottle. I'm going to die. Like, you can't stress because if you get down, like the world, you have to, I started to realize that I need to be healthy in order to make a healthy planet. And I think that you can go to every conference and you can try to be perfect and you can run your company perfect. But like at the end of the day, you can only do what you can do because there's a lot of problems in the world. And so I think if any companies can take baby steps, it's better than nothing in a sense. Like that's what I, uh, yeah. I don't know if that answers your question. Like. I, 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 I mean, I think consumption, yeah, it should stop. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it's a reality we live in. Plastic bottles. Water bottles. Plastic bottles. Um, styrofoam containers. Like the little bitty, like fish, you know, you get it like a fish market, like a foam container that breaks down. Um, of course, straws and forks and that. It was interesting. We did the first statewide Hawaii beach cleanup. I kept pretending I was a little mermaid because I kept finding like shampoo bottles and combs and toothbrushes and shampoo bottles and combs and toothbrushes. Um, I've seen it all. The brooms, like the ends of brooms, you'd be surprised how many brooms are out there with their bristles and those things break down a lot, which is kind of crazy. Um, bottles, I'd say, are my number one. Honestly, when you travel, like, so I was just in Jordan in, in the Middle East. I got to go with the Cousteau family, which is funny that you mentioned Aqualung because we were talking about Aqualung. And it was his granddaughter, uh, Celine Cousteau, and we went to Petra. And we were there with the tourism board and we were like ready to support women in the Middle East and make an epic movie about Jordan. And literally everywhere I walked in Petra was like mounds of plastic. And I was like, uh-oh, they're gonna hate me, but I'm making a real film. And I did, and the tourism board loved it and actually promoted it because there's no recycling plants in those countries. Like it's away from the ocean and there's still no, nothing to do with it. And they want help. They just don't know how, they don't have the infrastructure, they don't know how, they're trying to figure it out. And every single person on that trip pretty much tried to bring like their water filter and they were gonna be eco. And I'm like, I'm drinking plastic bottles. And I was the only one that didn't get sick. 
And I'm a huge advocate for against plastic, but there's a reality that it doesn't exist yet. Like Giardia, you're not going to filter that out with your cute little like Nelgene filter. It's not, it's not a reality yet. I mean, I don't. Maybe somebody knows. I'd love to hear. But everything I've tried has never. I brought that too, but you're there like with one cup for an hour, and you're. I mean, oh my God, it's like. There has to be better, I think that's why it's amazing to come together like this because we really need like those solutions and I don't think our health should suffer from it because I used 10 plastic bottles to keep myself from getting deadly ill. Like it's kind of a, but plastic bottles would be my, to answer your question in a long-winded way. They're everywhere. But I don't know if it's necessarily those countries' faults if you see what I'm saying. Like it's kind of a, a toss up. So you mentioned that you educate children, social media, what are some of the specific tools that you use, and how do you, I have 13-year-old twins, ah. how, how, would my, how would my kids? Girls or boys? Oh, boy, girl. Oh. How would they engage with what your, what your messages, and how would they find you, and what are, what are some of the things you do? Yeah. Um, what I've tried to do with all of this is to have absolutely everything free. So if you go to my website, all the films I've talked about are there for free. They're on my YouTube. They're on my Instagram. I want everything to be out there and offered. Um, so it may seem glamorous, but guys, literally, it's like me traveling for two weeks and then me sitting in my room just bang, 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 because what I think is the beauty with social media, it's like you have your own discovery channel, and I can put out the message. I don't have to add the naked midget or the Kardashian or put whatever they're asking me to put in there and then offer it for free, and the reason I'm able to do that is because of incredible sponsors like you know Raw Elements or Olokai or the different, some of it's sponsorship or some of it's me being like, this Galapagos trip honestly was a passion project. So I'm, this is, and I have a nonprofit. I am a nonprofit um, as well, so being able to do it. But I feel like there's so many good nonprofits out there that I try to present myself as a content creator rather than, you know, it's like let's all come together. I'm not like, hey, I'm a nonprofit. Give me, give me millions. Like I'll take the profits that I make. And like Bob was saying, like I will put them towards the. I'm, I'm just me, so <laughs> I want to make sure everything. Maybe I'm a control freak, or maybe I'm just like. I see in countries when you throw money in a foreign country, you never know what happens. Um, so that's what I try to do is like just offer everything free and take whatever donations or work or anything I can do, whether it's a TV hosting gig, and put that money toward making it all available. So allisonsadventures.com. Um, they can watch all the films and school tours. Um, that's what Ripley's and I are talking about. It's like developing a curriculum. Um, I'm just, just me doing all this, so like, love help if somebody knows how to do a curriculum. Like, I'd love to have more assets for kids, but there's only so much you can do kind of as a, as a one-woman show to get out there. Um, the TED Talk just went up, so that could be something they could watch. And it has all the facts about the ocean and plastic and, yeah. Well, that's why I took on the bikini, because a lot of people yeah. are like, why are you, oh, are you trying to sell sex? I'm like, no kid's going to watch me frolicking the world in a burkini. Like, it's just not going to, there's, it's not. Well, you may get some people in that certain parts of the world. Like, well, yeah. For people to, you know, be like that. Maybe, that. yeah. It's just, you have to figure out that balance. It's like, what's the mass appeal? It's a toughie. I've had, you know, to figure it out. Because all the little girls want to look up to Miley Cyrus and Britney Spears or whatever. So I was in my mind, was like, how do you make a, eco Miley side. Like, how do you make it so it's risque enough that they're like, oh, I want to be like, you know? But it's, like, I've never drank or done a drug a day in my life, and so 
I just, that, I don't know, I've always wanted to inspire kids, but you also have to have that edginess, a little bit of like the sex, uh, I, don't, I don't even know if that's the right word, like how do you, do you know what I mean? Like when I was little, I was looking up to the older girls and what are they doing? Not like the perfect, <laughs> you gotta balance it somehow. So it's a toughie, but Vipe actually looks really good in a pink bikini as well, so <laughs> most of the time, <laughs> most of the time I. Uh, <laughs> Wardrobe malfunction. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty crazy, but no, I, I'm, uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what happens. You ask what's next, I'm gonna speak at Summit Tulum, which is an event like this, but so that, so just to explain, so Summit is coming together because of that one minute film with Sam talking about water on Earth. I mean, this is what I'm saying, this is crazy. Now the biggest entrepreneurs on Earth and headlining Harrison Ford and the female Indiana Jones, which is kind of crazy coincidence, um, we're going to Tulum to meet with Geronimo and Sam, who are like over the world excited because they're like villagers, you know, Geronimo's like a villager, to um, solve the Tulum plastic crisis just because of the one. So it's crazy. I think if you guys, you know, you just go and do and do and don't, don't ever not do, just keep doing. I think a big part of this is edu educating the, uh, the kids. Yeah, the kids. Uh, the one biggest thing that I saw in the Galapagos was you have a generation of the older people who actually do care, but then you have these kids who literally, from the day they're born, they're ingrained about how ingrained. plastic is. Yeah. And it was mind-boggling. You walk around and you got five-year-old kids going in groups, and they're literally picking plastic off the ground and throwing it in the recycling bin. And they really do care. And, and everybody we asked, they said it's just because it's something that's been ingrained through the education system and through their lives where that plastic is bad, and it, and it, it well, the schools, then, I mean, this has to happen at, like, kindergarten level, yeah. preschool level. Yep. Where Any teachers? Different. I know, teachers and educators, yeah. and that is really, it has to be part we'll of the We'll get there. We'll get there. It's happening. Vibes, it's Vibes Bikini. I just think it's going to. Yeah. It's Vibes Bikini. Thank you. I love you all so much. Thank you. Oh. Mahalo. Thank you so much, Allison. I mean, Mahalo. how incredible is that story? I mean, you know, the, the talk was about the greatest treasure on earth, but I mean, Allison is a treasure unto herself. Um, look, you know, uh, as, as we're talking about this, I agree, you know, youth are the way to helping solve our problems. And I'm fortunate enough to have an experiment at home who is seven and a half years old. And I can see that, you know, when I was growing up, my parents weren't talking about conservation, recycling, trash, or anything like that. So I grew up for, you know, more than half my life, you know, probably being one of the bad guys, okay? And then all of a sudden I started to learn about the ocean, the health, the waste and all that stuff, and I became more and more involved. And after I had my son, you know, I wanted to pass that on to him. Okay, and now, I mean, he's seven and a half years old, okay, he's got his whole, like, cabinet that's filled with recyclable bottles, bags, everything, and um, I take him to the Aquarium of the Pacific, I take him to the Pacific Marine Mammal Center, okay, and he's learning about animals and ocean conservation and everything, and it's like, he sees trash on the beach, and he goes, Dad, that's bad for the sea lions and the seals. He's, he's so conscious at seven and a half years old. And, you know, he's into recycling. He's totally conscious of everything that's going on. He doesn't ask for straws. So I think, you know, that is the biggest opportunity as parents. You know, how do we start this at home? 
okay? And I'm also seeing it play out in my kid's school. I just went to open house two weeks ago and everything in the first grade classroom was about ocean conservation. So it's starting, okay? 30 years ago, we weren't talking about this. If people looked at us like we were crazy, okay? And we were, okay, but now it's a badge of honor. You know, if you're not involved in ocean conservation in some way, shape or form or recycling or anything, you know, get with the program. So look, we have had two days of exciting in, informational and inspirational talks, you know, and look, everything was curated as such. Uh, you know, there was a flow to everything and I'm so stoked that all of us got to come together and collaborate, but there's five words that I want us to walk away with and carry out until we come back again next year. Okay, but these are your five action words. One, opportunity, okay? Opportunity, there's so much opportunity to protect our oceans. Second, innovation. There's a lot of room for innovation. Third, solutions. We have to find solutions, okay? Fourth, Fourth is collaboration. And finally, last but not least, storytelling, okay? Those five words can really help us chart a whole new course for our oceans. So I wanna thank everybody for coming out. Sorry I talked so much, you know, it was not scheduled that way. Thank you. I wanna thank all the speakers who donated their time, their insights, their stories and everything that brought us all together. I wanna to thank our sponsors, XPRIZE, Marisla, Proudwater, Recup. Thank you so much for supporting the event. Our team behind the scenes, Scott, Mike, Corey, Christian, Just Dance, everybody that helped us out, Hans with video and everything like that. And on that note, look, all these talks are gonna be available on YouTube because there's no reason keeping them contained here. So they will be made available for you guys to watch over again, uh, share with your colleagues and friends, and they will also be turned into podcasts as well. So we'll make sure that you guys get access to all of this amazing content. So until next year, stay strong, aloha.